Brought to you by Homes by Shane and produced by Danny Geo Productions. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Boots and Backstraps. I am your host, Shane Michael, and I'm joined, as always, by my dashing and handsome and incredibly talented co-host, Tom Cat. Come on, now. How we doing, sir? I'm doing great. I love the vest. I'm excited to be here tonight, and uh, I'm excited to get right into our new guest, but I know we have something that we got to do prior to that. Well, thank you. It's an old vest, and, you know... It's sure. Since the Wee Fest and the Rowdy Cowboy Show, you don't get a, a chance to wear our cool old duds anymore, and it's always fun to throw something new on. Thank you. Yeah, I might have to start bringing a pearl snap or two up. There you go. Instead of camel all the time. <laughs> we'll mix it up. Yeah. So tell the folks, Shane, about our new segment. We have a new segment that we're calling uh, the Weekly Whiskey, and uh, or Whiskey of the Week. And so what we've got this week, we thought it would be kind of fun because we're, you know, we talked about Jack Daniels and our affinity for Jack Daniels. We drink a lot of Jack Daniels, mm -hmm. but we also drink a lot of other whiskeys. And it, we thought it might be fun to maybe introduce the audience to some other whiskeys that are out there that they should try. And there could be a lot of you uh, out there that are whiskey aficionados. There certainly are a lot of wine aficionados out there. But uh, two years ago, I went to uh, Louisville for the uh, ACA show, the archery show, mm -hmm. archery trade show. And they have a restaurant there that features every bourbon known to man. Really? I and mean, they've got two pages, and not necessarily real small print, but probably 40 on, at least 40 on each side of uh, all the different bourbons that are out there from the best to, to mediocre. And uh, I know you have become an more so than I, you're, you've become a, a bourbon aficionado, and I think that's really cool. And it's certainly, a as much as we enjoy drinking a little bit of it, and we don't recommend anybody abuses it by any means, but no. it's just got this wonderful taste to it, and yeah. uh, it's very addicting. It <laughs> is, so to speak. It's one <laughs> thing to enjoy it, yeah. Um, and then there's a whole other conversation about enjoying it to excess. So we're right, not talking right. about enjoying to excess. You could get home after a long day's work and you pour yourself an ounce or two and then you just sit and kind of nurse it for a while and really enjoy yeah. the flavor profiles, the notes that are in there, all that kind of thing. And that's what it was meant to be. I mean, from the beginning till now, through prohibition, through it all, it wasn't meant, you weren't meant to get hammered on it. No. On any of the alcoholic beverages, whether it be wine or any of the uh, other. Uh, Little moonshine. <laughs> well, now that might be an exception. <laughs> right. I think that was invented to get hammered on. You got to be careful <laughs> with that stuff, too, because if you oh get a I bad know. a bad batch, you know, if they take the wrong spot in the brewing process, <laughs> you could go blind. <laughs> I got to tell you a quick story about moonshine. Do that. I was on, uh, you know, I hunted a little bit with uh, T-Roy, mm -hmm. Troy Gentry. Uh, God, God rest his soul. Uh, 
I, the first time I ever went on their bus, they had the old Dixie Chicks bus, uh, him and Eddie, and they had a corner cupboard, and it went from the ceiling of the bus down to the floor, and they proudly propped that thing open, and it was stacked in different jars of moonshine from the top to the bottom with different flavors, you know, like whatever, rhubarb, raspberry, cherry, apple, whatever the flavor was that was in. And I have to tell you, I tasted a lot of, you couldn't tell what flavor they were. <laughs> they were so powerful. They were just, whoa. When you're at that point of being almost 100% alcohol. I know. It's Any like little addition An eyedropper of raspberry. Yeah, you're not noticing that so no. much. <laughs> I really, maybe somebody other than me could have told the difference, but I couldn't tell the difference. Anyway, moonshine, oh my gosh. Yeah, well, this week we've got Kentucky bourbon with us. It's uh, Wathens is the name of the the bourbon that we have to sample um, this week. Uh, our producer, Danny, made a fun infographic. I think it's fantastic. And Wathens is a family-owned distillery. They're in Kentucky, obviously. I mean, um, any, any bourbon worth their salt is in Kentucky. Um, a little knowledge bomb for you. In order for it to be bourbon, it has to be at least at least 51% corn. Right. Um, otherwise, it's not bourbon. It can and be And what about the difference? Uh, there's a lot of qu questions around Jim Beam and Jack Daniels. Yeah. One not being a bourbon, one being a whiskey. Uh, being the aficionado, maybe you can explain that. So there are bourbons, and then there are ryes, and then right. there is sour mash. Right. And right. then there is Irish whiskey, and then there is scotch. And another little piece of knowledge for you, most people, and people that are maybe less experienced with whiskey consumption, always assume that scotch is just because it's aged that far, and that's not true at all. No. You can have an eight-year-old scotch and an eight-year-old bourbon, and they're essentially, you know, um, from a quality standpoint on the same plane. The only difference is the bourbon is American, and the scotch is from Scotland. Scotland. So that's what makes Scott Scotch. It's not because it's aged 12 years or 20 right. years or 50 years. That right. doesn't make it Scotch. What makes it Scotch is it's distilled in Scotland. And isn't it a fact that in order for it to be a bourbon, it has to be from Kentucky? No. Uh, bourbon is made in a lot of different places in America, but it has to be American. And where's Jim Beam made? That's in uh, Tennessee. Yeah, I'm not sure. Not sure to be honest with you, but or Jim Beam. I might have those two confused. Jim Beam is bourbon. Jack Daniels. Ja Jack Daniels is sour mash. And Jack Daniels is in Tennessee. Yes, Lynchburg, yep, Tennessee. Yep, yep. Yeah. So anyway, we I don't want to. We're not going to go too deep into the road because right. we got lots of little nuggets that we'll share with people over episodes with this new segment yeah. for whiskey of the week. I think that but was a great Wathens. introduction to it. Yeah, Wathens, and it's uh, eight generations. Eight generations of uh, family that have run this distillery. It's run by a couple of brothers right now, and it's. This is a great bottle for those people that maybe are newer to whiskey mm -hmm. and don't want that real heavy burn on the back end or what, what whiskey aficionados call the finish. If you want to avoid that serious burn, then you want to keep that proof under 100 to start with, and then you kind of work your way up from there. Right, so this right. one is um, uh, 97, I think, 94 proof. Um, so not quite as big of a burn in the back end. It's got a very nice, sweet front end. You pick up some caramel, some vanilla, Maybe a little cinnamon in the back end, some people say. Yeah, so. I could taste the cinnamon. Yeah. So a cheers to you, uh, sir. We had a restaurant, Red Oak Steaks and Wine, and we featured a lot of really great And bourbons. I'll cheers our guest as well. Cheers to we you, sir. We have a wonderful guest today, ladies and gentlemen, from the one and only Bob FM. 
You know what? He's a great friend of yours. You, you two are in a band. I'm going to let you introduce him. Uh, well, he was in a band. I just walked around with a microphone on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, we uh, are – I'm super excited. I know you are as well, TK, because we've been talking about this guy in our episodes forever, and people right. are like, who is this masked man you keep talking about? And so, as you mentioned, in, in addition to a lot of other stuff with local music, uh, we are um, honored to have in studio today Brandon Backstrom. Thank you very oh, much. Great lap. Ban- Brandon Backstraps. B squared. Perfect name. <laughs> Brandon, perfect they call name. me Boots and Backstraps is my nickname <laughs> growing up. Brandon Boots and Backstraps. Uh, honored to be here. I love uh, what you guys got going on. Great uh, setup. Great production value. Excellent team. You guys are doing it right. So well, it's very cool to be here. You know, me being a layperson, I guess. I don't know. I've been involved with entertainment most of my life, but. Uh, not so much podcasts. I don't know if we're doing a great one or if we're just uh, hanging in there. So to hear a compliment like that means a lot. So thank you, Brandon. A guy that's in the business. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a great one, by the way. You thank and I you. met uh, briefly once. I was a guest on uh, the Four Outdoorsmen on Bob. Yep. Uh, What's right the Four Outdoorsmen, Brandon? Well, it's part of Bob Outdoors. Happens Sunday nights from 6 to 8 is the, uh, the live portion. 6 to 7 is the Four Outdoorsmen. Got Steve Straczynski, Mark Lukey, and Sam Oftedal. Kay. They often give me the fourth outdoorsman credit, but when someone like Tom Katz in the in the room, obviously the fourth outdoorsman right there. But uh, they talk all things outdoors, hunting, fishing, just crazy adventures. Who uh, produces that show? I do. I yes. produce that. I produce <laughs> Real Talk Outdoors. Comes on after that, and both of those shows follow the Homegrown Show. Which uh, so this is a really cool thing to be part of because I like that your guys's focus is on hunting the outdoors. And country music, right? Well, that's what I produce Sunday nights on Bob. We got the homegrown show. Where we celebrate, uh, you know, a lot of the the great guests that you've had on, and and we'll continue to be booking. And then right after that, we go into talking about the outdoors. So it's it's this is a great fit. Yeah, this really uh, what a great segue between that, what you do and what we're doing here. Yeah, and that's I mean I'm jealous of the uh, the video component. That's something we've talked about a bit at the studio, and they're still working on ways to do that. Y- you remember Scotty? Uh, Scotty Coteen, of course, uh, just awesome dude. He, and then he did got into the Midwest uh, rodeos business. Doing the rodeo, bro- uh, it's not a broadcast; it's a, a live simulcast or whatever. Or si- yeah, right. And uh, he he's been in uh, a time or two on the Homegrown Show to produce video for that, and it's awesome. He sets up a multi-camera shot. He's got the lower third with the infographics. Yeah, like I mean, and that's something I want to work into Sunday nights on a regular basis. I think that would be a great. Uh, added value to the show you know so I like a, to have a set like this would be amazing gotta <laughs> bark at neil real quick neil make it happen <laughs> what do we do studio b needs to look like that we need more dead animals in studio b <laughs> <laughs> yes I've got, a, I've got a lot of other animals that aren't on the wall here so but I they can, are all dead right some. they are all dead <laughs> okay <yeah>. that's good <laughs> uh, so I, I imagine every one of these has a story absolutely and you remember them all and like that would be fun to just kind of walk through and get them get you the know, story on Brandon, each one. quite often people ask about them and you know i look at each one of them and i'm reminded that reminded of whether it was minnesota whether it was wisconsin wyoming montana canada uh, wherever i was there's a I can sit and think about who I was with, you know, the circumstances, the type of day it was. The whole trip, right? Everything, not just you the know, hunt? Well, I, well, some of them are kind of older now, and I, I remember the circumstances, but and some of them certainly the whole trip. But it's just a flood of memories, and uh, uh, to me, 
that's what they're all about on the wall. Not so much a trophy as they are a memory. A gateway to the past, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and respecting the animals, mm -hmm. you know, uh, they're all magnificent, fabulous, beautiful animals. So we honor them in that respect. Well, that's what, so it's, they're kind of all from around the country, not all from right here in Minnesota. No, no, yeah, they're uh, from, the deer are mostly Minnesota and Wisconsin, but there are other states. The elk are from Montana, Wyoming, Idaho. Colorado. Colorado, um, New Mexico. I mean, we just, that's the all the resources we have in this great country of ours yeah. is amazing. Oh, yeah. man. We got it all. The wildlife is fantastic. Yeah. And what people don't get, like, I mean, a big part of uh, hunting is cons conservation. Yes. Like it, Absolutely. It, it's part of the, the system. And we are, hunters in America are the first and the founders of the conservation movement. Uh, it might be kind of hard for some of the uh, anti-hunters to understand, but because we're killing those animals, but if it wasn't for us and our dollars and our respect for the animal, uh, a lot of these animals would be extinct, Yep, like the turkey. Or they would get killed by predators or yep. die of, you know, old age or Disease whatever. Or, or just whatever. cause problems themselves by uh, yes. being overpopulated. Getting hit by cars. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, very cool. And that's something, that's one of the things that uh, being plugged into Bob Outdoors, I'm learning a lot about. I, I, the, the, the thing that I've done the most in the outdoors would be fishing. But even yep. that, like, I consider myself... Like, I know nothing, you know, especially when I'm sharing this, the, the airwaves with literal Hall of Fame fishermen. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I grew up, my family has a cabin outside of Annandale, and we'd spend, sure. you know, like every weekend there in the summer. And, uh, you know, so grew up outside. But even now, though, l like being part of the show, I've learned more in the past couple years than I have my entire life in just right. like, you know, jigging and, uh, you know, different techniques, fishing. The next one that I want to get into is hunting and getting out there and doing that because that's the one that I've done the least wow. in my life. Between but. myself and Shane and the four outdoorsmen, my goodness, you right. certainly have uh, some opportunities. Some, some opportunity, you bet. Take advantage of that. You yeah. better hit hard on Dogecoin if you're going to get to hunting, bro. <laughs> so, to the moon, working on it. But uh, that, so I've in the last couple of years, I, I kind of came up with a rule of myself where I was like, I'm never going to say no to a fishing trip. Yeah. So whenever somebody would ask me, hey, you want to go fishing this weekend? The answer is yes, for sure. And I've had the chance to get out in the boat with some amazing people. I don't know if you're familiar with the Grizz, yep. but that's uh, that man is a legend. Oh, yeah. I've known of him for a long time. I used to listen to Bear Facts and Fishtails yep. when yep. they were on KSTP back in the day. That was my station. I loved it. That's kind of my first uh, – uh, where I really got into talk radio, and Mishki was my favorite dude on their airwaves for sure. But uh, Bear Facts and Fishtails was a, was a great show, and I never thought that one day then I would be producing it. And that Bear Facts and Fishtails eventually turned into Real Talk Outdoors. But um, I remember listening back in the day, and that guy, the Grizz, who would call in on a regular <laughs> basis, just was a larger-than-life sort of legend. Oh, and is. what's crazy is all of those stories, all that stuff that people say is true. You know, like he doesn't yeah. he doesn't wear a hat in the winter. I don't know if it's he doesn't want to mess up his sweet head of hair or whatever the deal is, but it doesn't matter how cold it is. Have you seen his hair? Yeah, it's, yeah. he's got great hair. It's amazing. <laughs> Can't mess up the mane, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I got to tell you, I uh, spent the day with the Grizz. I used I still uh, work part time with Outdoor News. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like the uh, and that was one of the times I talked to you. Is at the yeah. State Fair at yeah, their yeah, booth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At the fair and some other shows. The so deer and turkey classics. Some, some, some 
subscriptions and the Grizz was being inducted into the Fishing Hall of Fame and all those people, they'd hang out the outdoor news booth. It's kind of a gathering spot for them. So I got to meet them and uh, share a very limited amount of fishing stories in my life. <laughs> but uh, pretty cool. Pretty cool guy. All of those people. And I love he's just a simple fisher. Like his boat, he could have a, a kick-ass boat. Like yeah. Mark Fisher's got a sweet boat. He's got this yep. set up. You know, he's like the hot rod out there doing it. The Grizz, it's like just a beat-up camo kind of boat. And when we're out on the water, he's pointing out, like, some of the fancy boats out there. Like, oh, look at that guy's boat. Check out that boat. He's like, yeah, but they ain't catching as much fish as we are. And he was right, man. And, <laughs> like, everybody driving by is, like, trying to pick up, like, what are they doing? What's Have the you seen doing? anything? Right, and they, they all know him. They're like, hey, Grizz. You know, like, it's, he was a celebrity out on the out on the river in Prescott there, man. It was pretty cool. Wow. So you produced that show, like, from the boat? No, that was uh, just us out on oh, okay. a trip. You're screwing. You know, yeah, the the uh, the show I, we're in the Bob Studios every Sunday night. And, okay. Uh, th- like I'm I was like, that'd be amazing. <laughs> it would be, and actually, I did tell Mishki because Mishki uh, started after he was done with radio. He started a podcast called The Road Show, where he literally does like go out on the road and meet people where they are in their lives and does a show. And I was telling him, I was like, you should get in the boat with the Grizz and record that. That would be a show, and yeah. I hope that he does make it happen one of these days. But or he hasn't done it yet? No, not yet. That would be a knowledge. show. But yeah, that would yeah. be a, a great, great show. And I mean, the Grizz, just the stories that guy could tell is amazing. <laughs> we won't get into it. I, I don't think we'll get into it. I have one amazing fish story. Uh, people that know me know that I hunt a lot, and that I'm really not a big fisherman. Uh, we're going to have a gentleman on our podcast here in the near future by the name of Ron Fisher. Ron and I, he used to be the the general manager of Joe's Sporting Goods. Jimmy Rauscher is going to be on our show this coming Saturday. Um, he owns Joe's Sporting Goods. Actually, when this goes out, right. it will be the previous Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Ron and I. time traveling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ron and I used to pheasant hunt a lot together. And I always used to tease him. And it really didn't matter to me. But I said, when are you going to take me fishing? So he won this fishing trip up at Lake of the Woods. Uh, the promo. Do you know who the promos were? No. They were a fishing team. Okay. Gary Roach and Randy Amonrud. Randy's since dead. Gary is very old now, but they were the promos. Well, they were on the same fishing trip, along with all these reps from Berkeley, a couple of guys that owned a goose hunting uh, a ranch out in South Dakota, and a bunch of big shots. And here I am, and I'm like, I'm a pretty novice fisherman. I'm thinking. Okay, we're on the boundary waters of Canada. United You're just States. trying not to hook yourself when you cast. <laughs> well, I'm in the boat with my friend Ron Fisher Kay. and Randy Amonrud, two mega fishermen, right? And we're catching crappies. And now these guys are the two happiest guys in the world and because they're catching, unbeknownst to me, I didn't know that these were humongous, two- and three-pound crappies. All right, now I was just going to say, isn't slab the word you guys use? Yeah, anyone that knows anything about fishing knows that those are huge crappies. And I'm like, they're little fish to me. So I'm thinking, well, aren't we up here to catch, like, big northerns and muskies? And so I'm kind of working the guys, and they're li- getting a little annoyed with me. And I said, all right. Finally, they put their poles down, and they went to this other spot right by this beautiful waterfalls. And now to annoy them further, I have to make a nature call. <laughs> so I ask them to drop me off on shore. 
And Randy's looking at Ron thinking, where did you get this guy? And so I'm back there doing my deal, and I walk back to the where they dropped me off. And they're out there in this kind of a bay area. And Randy hooks onto something. His wad is just bent like that. And Ron Fisher is, you know, Johnny on the spot. And this is back in the 70s. And he's like. Do, do you remember the 70s, Brandon? I do. <laughs> Vividly. <laughs> <laughs> Through movies. So he reels, he pulls a fish up to the side of the boat. And I'm anxiously watching him. And by now there's other boats that we are watching too. Well, Ron had the presence of mind to hurry and get the net under this thing. And he hoisted it out of the water. And the thing was kind of rigid. And I'm like, what have you got? The Loch Ness there? And I'm like, <laughs> well, the Old thing, messy. The big, it was a big muskie. It went through the net, hit the Fords, uh, and hit the bottom of the boat, and all hell broke loose. There was legs and arms <laughs> and fish tails, and he's trying to club this muskie. Well, it was a 50-pound muskie. Damn. Wow. And I get back, and they finally retrieve me. That's a pig. And I'm, oh, well, you know, he's a, a man eater. He's a professional fisherman. Need a bigger boat. You sure there wasn't a bull shark, Tom? <laughs> it was a huge, and... So I get in the boat, and to further annoy them, I said, all right, now that's the kind of fish I think we're coming up. We were supposed to come out. Let's go get some more of those. And they look at me like, like more of those. not yeah. realizing that that's a once-in-a-lifetime fish. a unicorn, fish. yeah. Right. We're trolling. I put on the same lure he was using. We're trolling down the channel that got you into this bay, and here I hook a monster northern. Uh, I couldn't tell you how big it was, but his was, you know, behemoth. And mine was like this. But I have a picture of he and I standing holding our fish up. And he's like just struggling to get this thing up in the air. Like an Oklahoma catfish. So <laughs> anyway, the rest of the fish, we were on one of those houseboats. Cool. And forgive me for taking up so much time. We're on one of those houseboats. And then the houseboat came back to International Falls. Every photographer and sports writer from every magazine <laughs> was there. Him and Randy had gone out and took pictures of hundreds and hundreds of pictures of this fish in the so sunset. So wait, did you realize at that point no. how big a deal it was? No, okay. not a clue. All of a sudden, there's this army of photographers <laughs> and it's like the paparazzi. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, and they even went to interview me. I said, you really don't want to interview me. I don't know what the hell is going on. Got some I, big, got some I said, but if it wasn't Not for sure me, to do with my hands. <laughs> if it wasn't for me nagging these poor guys to go and catch to move, big fish, yeah. So that's my, and you I contributed do, in a big way. I do have catch. pictures to confirm my fish story, my one and only fish story, and that's a great story. And uh, these two guys are like Randy Amonrud, his son Todd Amonrud, is huge in the fishing industry, and uh, uh, his father has since died. I see Gary every year at the. Uh, big outdoor shows and and for me to have been involved in that huge deal randy used that fish on his display as a display on his booth at all the shows he did well it's a lifetime fish yeah that's a freshwater whale right <laughs> gotta be a pb right i mean he, i doubt he's caught a bigger muskie than that oh man it was it was pretty cool and so that's my fish story yeah and wow. please forgive me you're our guest and we're no, supposed I love to be it. talking to you and here I am interjecting my one and only <laughs> great fishing story, and you'll never hear another one. Well, I don't have any <laughs> fishing stories to share. I'm not a fisherman, so. None that good, man. That, that's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I love it. Like, I, that's, uh, you know, what the show's all about, I think, right? Just talk, yeah. Tell those stories. We're all about the rabbit holes. Yeah. <laughs>
Well, that was a rabbit hole. Forgive me if I dragged that out a little bit too long, but no, loved that's it. a fun, fun story. So B squared. Let's go back to the early years. Whew. Yeah, I want to go all the way back to little Brandon. Okay. Before you even <laughs> picked up a guitar. Sure. And I know y- your family was into music. And this is kind of like how you got on the music train, right? The love of music. Yeah, there was always great music playing in my house. I mean, my uh, uh, I, I have vague memories of my grandpa playing the guitar when I was a kid, and uh, I can't, I can never remember what the name of this disease is, but like he had a some sort of bone structure thing that uh, my uncle Bryce also had, and my cousin Adam had, where like the his wrists were weird, like he, and it was like an elbow and a wrist thing. He couldn't really straighten out his hand, so he played guitar with his hand on top oh, of the fretboard cool. like this, kind of like, like a Jeff a, Healy band. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I didn't, re- you know, recognize that as being different as a kid because I didn't know any better. That's what he did. But so my grandpa played and I have, you know, a few memories of him playing usually around a holiday, you know, Christmas or whatever. And the grandkids would be singing Rudolph red nose reindeer <laughs> while he was sliding it up on his guitar. Um, so in the, him and my grandma, they loved the class. Like they were really into Elvis Johnny Cash, like the old old gospel stuff. Yeah, just good, like that, like <laughs> great, great music. And uh, my dad and mom, obviously, they were more a little more into rock and roll. Uh, I, there was always like always like uh, Tom Petty or the Eagles, Heart, you know, uh, uh, stuff like that playing in the house. Boston, uh, Chicago, all those uh, great city name bands, and um, just you know, always rocking out. Like I remember being in the car with dad, radio rocking he's playing drums on the steering wheel and the dashboard and so it was just a a, a big like the f- my family was a big fan of music and always liked to to listen to it and party I, one of my favorite questions on the homegrown show when i talk to uh artists and stuff i like to ask what the first concert they ever went to was that's a fun one i can, i would throw that one to both of you do you remember what was the first concert you ever went to the first one that I can remember was U2. U2, like that's a good, that's an amazing first mm. concert. It experience. was incredible. So there's there's a couple things I'll say about it. The first of which is, is obviously they're incredibly musically ta- talented, right? You know, so the show itself was phenomenal. But literally everyone within, I don't know, a thousand yards of us was smoking a ton of weed. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I don't know, very young, and I'm like. <laughs> Getting a little contact <laughs> yeah, high here. I didn't know what was going on. I'm just show. like, I feel funny. <laughs> that's a great. That's a that's an amazing first concert experience. Tom like, is this you, part of the deal? They're piping it in through the the HVAC. I don't understand what's going <laughs> on. I can tell you my first two. All right. Uh, they were in the same summer. The first one was Three Dog Night. Cool. Oh, is that bad? You Never been to Spain's one of my favorite songs. Love ever. The, the love their songs. And the second one was Led Zeppelin. Oh <laughs> wow! Huge. <laughs> they were they were incredible. It was just uh, Jimmy Page, Page, Robert Plant. Yeah. Oh man! Legends of rock, right there. Yeah. So, so like both of you had great, great early yeah. live music experiences. Please don't say yours was Barney. No. <laughs> <laughs> and, but and I do like I mean arguably I mean everything's subjective and stuff. But I think I got you both beat. Okay. With just the the scope of the show and how big of a star this person put was. your seatbelt on tom because he's building this up a little well, bit <laughs> but it, it was michael jackson was the first oh, concert yeah. i ever went to yeah and that, that's uh, i mean I, i've always been into all types of music pop rock country you know all, unbelievable all performer but that to for that to be the first show that you see live i mean that definitely is going to set you on a, a certain trajectory you yeah know? right i have to tell you when i was a real youngster like 12 or 13 
we did go out to the old Met Stadium, but we didn't get in to see the Beatles. Oh. <laughs> we were out in the parking lot. But could you still hear the music yeah. at least from there? There well, you go. We couldn't really hear the music over the screaming. Oh, right. <laughs> was, yeah, I mean, Beatlemania. It was like. Tight. So, but I never considered that my first. Uh, right. It was my first attempt. So even but that, just Michael to be Jackson, in that environment would be amazing. Michael, I saw Michael Jackson at the old Met. Yep, and that's that where, where it was. You saw him? Yep, yep. And it was the do, bad do you tour. remember a person playing the guitar that had spiked hair that went like this way up there and way yeah. down? Do you remember that person? Yeah. Do you know who that person was? No. Cheryl Crow. Right. Yeah, I did know that. Was no. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, this person yep. was all over the stage. Screaming on the guitar, assisting with the vocals, the backup vocals and she yeah. had a spike haircut. <laughs> I mean, one of these turkey fans, it was way bigger than one of those turkey fans. I think my brain just exploded. Cheryl Crow played guitar yeah. for Michael Jackson. <laughs> Background <laughs> vocals. So, uh, like, uh, most of my memories of it, like, is my dad uh, making fun <laughs> of me and my brother. Because it was, what, it was 88, I believe, so I was eight years old. I like your brother. My He's brother a good dude. five, and uh, we were constantly asking for trips to the bathroom. <laughs> and my dad had it was like yeah, I just I paid all this money for these tickets and we spent most of the time in the bathroom, but uh, and uh, my mom was pregnant with my youngest brother and I remember that because I remember after the show walking back out to the car my dad was like man it was so loud in there that kid's gonna come out doing the moonwalk, <laughs> <laughs> but so like music obviously was you know a big deal and I fell in love with it right away and most of my early favorites were all stuff from my parents like I loved the Eagles and then that was uh, when I was in high school. I can't even remember what year this was. I mean, it was, you know, mid-late 90s uh, as a reward for, like, doing well in my classes, which I usually didn't because I was mostly, like, a mirage when it came to high school. But uh, as a reward for doing well, my dad took me to the Eagles Hell Freezes Over tour. And now that was one of the ones that where cool. in front of us and all behind us, like, people were passing the joints. And I'm sitting there with my dad, you know, like, being like, mm. I wanted to, like, ask for, you know, like, you know <laughs> just pass that back here real quick. Yeah, give it but, a try. But, uh, you know, like, Come on, like, Dad. that was a great a great show, <laughs> and I'll never forget it, and I thank him for bringing me to that. But, uh, so, How yeah. How old were you then? I would, like, probably 16, 17, I think. I can't remember what year just that was. just makes me feel old, because I took Lynn to that same show. 1995. Randy had the Eagles. 95, all right, so I was yeah, 15. Yeah, Kyle knows. But, yeah, 1995. I got a hat in there. Kyle, right above your head. I graduated high school. I have 95. a Hell Freezes Over Eagles hat. Nice. <laughs> yeah, love. I mean, that was a great show. They, so that the, the Eagles, I think, were like my first favorite band. But my first favorite band that I found, like, kind of on my own, outside of my parents, <laughs> there were two of them at the same time. One was Def Leppard, oh. and the other was the New Kids on the Block. Fell in love with both of those. There it is. Yes. There that is, is awesome. nothing on the planet better than the Eagles. Man. Did you just say New Kids on the Block? Eagles. I did say New Kids on the Block. What just happened, Brandon? Yeah, I told your you I was into everything. Your street cred just like went <laughs> in the biffy, bro. The, uh, the the I was really drawn to tore up jeans. I think was the thing. Okay. <laughs> Both Def Leppard and the New Kids on the Block had that look going, but uh, you know, yeah, like I said, I mean, I was really I was rocking Vanilla Ice. Super eclectic. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch is my. So jam. Vanilla I can Ice, every word for word, that stuff. Uh, Rob Van Winkle. Yep. He gets kind of a bum rap, but he's actually like a super talented guy. I, I mean, he's great. I, I like he had the uh, well, there was that show where he was like palling around with the Amish for a while. Did you ever see that show? It's like I, I've seen his uh, renovation show. And then he's got the renovation show. Yeah. yeah. But so I mean, he came off. Yeah, I was like cool guy. Yeah. Actually, that was another one of those deep cut weird movies that I just saw the other day. I think it was on Tubi or or uh, Pluto TV, one of the free streaming apps. But oh. cool as ice. I was gonna say, what was that called? Yeah. 
That was such a. <laughs> I got up through about half of that movie, and I was like, I can't. It's bad. I can't watch anymore. It was bad. <laughs> it's bad. Poorly acted, poorly produced. Yep, just a terrible storyline. Like yeah. Everything. But I, I think I got to the playground scene, and I was like, I'm out. I wanted a crotch rocket so bad at that point in time, and now I can't even stand that word, and I would never ride one of those. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I was always all over the place. But I think there was always, uh, like, a good uh, kind of nucleus to it all, of like, real rock and roll and stuff, you know, like Led Zeppelin and the Eagles and the Beatles. And, you know, then I've, then I've found – and it was at the same time. It was on a, a mixtape that a friend of my dad's made and gave to him that had Garth on it, Clint Black. I remember one of the first country songs I really fell in love with was Dumas Walker by the. Oh yeah, oh, that's a great tune. So cool. You know, Have you seen that a, video? Oh yeah, and it's a blast. <laughs> like that's a it's a fun video it's for sure. Party. Yep. You know, I've got boxes and boxes of those pictures. You know, they used to hang in my restaurant, but uh, the Kentucky Headhunters they were so much fun. And Lynn was our, you know, our stage producer at the Wee Fest, and they all signed it, and they all made little things to Lynn. They were they made a special one for made they it loved, personal. They yeah. loved Lynn, and he's and then one, one guy at the bottom says, "Ain't we cool?" <laughs> <laughs> they had yes. They, they were played so the, cool. They played the Bowfest last year. Oh, did they really? Saw them live. No way. And their lead guitar player had a giant stogie hanging out of his mouth <laughs> the whole set. Love it. He was he was Captain Cool. Kentucky Headhunters. Yeah. Let's all go down to Dumas Walker. Just a jam, dude. I oh, love that song. Great man. tune. I, well, as a disc jockey, I just wore that song out, man. <laughs> yeah. I'd play that song three times a night. I yeah. <laughs> I loved. The then there Kentucky was stuff Hunters. like uh, uh, um, Elvira by like the uh, oh. yeah, and that one. That's a, yeah, a fun story too, because my mom's aunt Barb thought the lyrics were hellfire up. <laughs> and we're like the Fire name of the song is Elvira. What are you talking about? But so now, I, whenever I hear that song, that's what I think. Well, I think the king of that. Forgive me if that's not even the right language. Uh, um, oh, I'm sorry. Um, Misheard. Creedence Clearwater. Okay. Um, oh yeah, John Fogerty. Fogarty. Yeah. I never knew what he was saying, no. and I think I was was not the only one. I mean, he was singing. The, I don't, you knew down California. on the corner, out in the street. We all made up our own lyrics. You'd have like the important part. We did that for our whole lives. <laughs> yeah. And then finally when you could go online and Look see what up. the lyrics were. Yeah. When the interweb came around. It was way off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. John Fogarty was the best at that. I mean, he had that Cajun thing going, that yeah. slur and whatever Whatever it's Another called. great band, and like I have a theory that is that I believe in every household, at least in the, in, in America, but I p would argue possibly the world. CCR Chronicles. Oh yeah. As in like it's like they're like Bibles. Like I'm like pretty much every house has at least one. Yeah. Oh god. Gotcha. Yeah, got a copy of CCR Chronicles somewhere in your house. Oh, oh yeah. You know what I had? And you should. In record form at the Hog's Breath, I had a. It was a mix. It was their greatest hits, like eight of them. And they were all mixed together, you know, beat it, dance beat. I'm sitting here having, you know, that stuff may be a little stronger than I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it was all beat mixed together. Wallets. We got to thank Jill. She's mixing you stiff tonight. <laughs> <laughs> all, uh, all the CCR stuff. It was so cool. I would play that. It, it always inevitably would wind up with uh, Proud Mary at the end. Sure. Not to like cause a divide in the ocean here. I'm gonna play. <laughs> I'm gonna play Moses for a second. 
hard to see? Yeah, I'm going to. Uh, that's why I have such a hard time with music in today's age, not to like sound like my father, but I will for a minute, is because back then, all of this stuff we were hearing, all this sound was coming from the artists. It was stuff they could Oftentimes, do with their voices, yeah. with their instruments. One person would write a song. And now there are teams of people. Oh, well, yeah. and it's all computer-generated yeah. everything. These sounds you're hearing are coming from computers, and it's yep. like it doesn't feel as, like, pure to me. Agreed. Boy, you as would love to have seen that. somebody doc- rip a guitar solo when you're uh-huh. new, they're doing it all with their hands. Like, yeah. ugh. Um, Neil Young just did a thing with uh, Dan Rather, you know, the uh, interview that Dan Rather does. Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and Young. And Neil Young just came out with a, an album that's an album, and that it's all. He had the exact same commentary that you did. You know, it's all digital now, and you're mm-hmm. not getting. Beep bop boop beep boop. You're and not Marty getting Stewart all the also music. has a, a new yeah. project that's a similar kind of deal. Marty Stewart's the same thing. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's hard to explain that to this generation because. I grew up with records. I grew up with yeah. 78 records. And Where there was no auto-tune. There was no, no punching in. It was all reel-to-reel stuff and, like, and one takes live one in the studio. Whether it was the reel-to-reel or the uh, 33, yep. you know, you were hearing what was put down. Yeah. And now you're not getting Now you can just play a couple sound. bars of a thing, copy and paste it, quantize yep. everything, put it on a loop. It, it does pull out a whole lot of life. Of no music. one would know that better than you. And there's a so again, I, I love the whole podcast world. One of my favorite, like he's more a YouTuber, I guess you would say, than a podcaster. But a guy that I try to tell everyone about, especially musicians that come on the Homegrown Show, is Rick Beato. He's an amazing dude. He's a producer. He's produced a bunch of albums. Uh, he's in bands, you know himself. He's a great guitar player. He plays like a bit of everything though. But I stumbled upon him a while ago in this YouTube series that he has called What Makes This Song Great. And I can't remember what number he's on now. He's, all, he's had over 100 episodes of this, this particular series. Wow. But what he would do is he'd take a song, a legendary, you know, one of the greats, and he has, like, the masters, like, and all the stems, all the original recordings, so he can he's got solo and isolate tracks. And you can hear, like, just the, you know, check out the bass line here and what's really going on. And, and he talks about everything. But, and he's really big into that whole uh, – another series that he's started doing recently is where he'll go and he'll listen to, like, the current top ten on, like, Spotify or iTunes music. And uh, he kind of goes through and, like, it's, there are some that are great. There's some current modern music that's being written and produced and, you know, done today that is amazing and, like, deserves recognition and, sure. and all that kind of stuff. But there sure. is a lot, a lot of garbage. But so he goes through, and he, 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 that's a fun one where he's listening to the current, like, today's top ten. But the series, What Makes This Song Great, is amazing. And then he's got a bunch of, like, standalone videos where he gets really into theory or production and talking about the technical kind of stuff behind it. Just an awesome guy. I write Rick Beato, B-E-A-T-O. I always thought it was Rick Beato is what it looks like, but it's Beato. <laughs> and everyone that should check his stuff out. That would be interesting. He's amazing. They're, they're, you know, people today – not necessarily just kids, people your age and uh, people younger than you, they haven't heard. I was like, kids, what? Sweet, you're I'll a kid. Yeah, I'll be a kid again. <laughs> but that's a great point, and uh, uh, I'm surprised there's not more of this Rick Beato out there yeah. because, you know, people love their music. I'm music. about to be the greatest president ever. I In January, I'll be 45. Nice. I second 45. that endorsement. 
<laughs> for Rick. I second uh, that endorsement. Rick, yeah, we got a second for Rick Beato. He's awesome. Are you? Would you say you're going to run for president? <laughs> <laughs> I just slipped in a political. He's going to be there. <laughs> 45. I'm going to be 45. Speaking of presidents, yeah, we do not get political on this show. Ah, <laughs> sorry, TK. When's the last time <laughs> we had a military leader? Eisenhower. Yeah, it was our last military leader that was a president. You're the only then one in the room that's old enough to remember it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a kid when he was running. Crazy. Young kid. I wasn't even a twinkle yet. Right. <laughs> the media would never let that happen. No, it's a different world, that's for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about your transition from your growing up and all this sort of musical influence, falling in love with music. How do you make this decision to go, you know what, I want to do that? Well, I mean, it, it eventually just became something I couldn't not do in a way. You know, like I mean, when you like it that much and like, so I got a guitar. It's eventually. in your bones. It's in your bones. I, I, I got a guitar. The day I got my guitar... I also bought a, the best of Garth Brooks songbook, <laughs> and I basically just locked myself in my room. What was the I, first one? The dance was the first song that I could play beginning <laughs> to end by myself. It's a great tune. In front of me, it's easy. It's G, C, D, and E minor, <laughs> all the easy chords. But um, I basically taught myself every song in there. Some I had to simplify and make it my way, but I was like, uh, that's enough. That's good enough. It gets the job done. Yeah. And so recognizable. Yeah. And that. <laughs> started sort of an addiction to it like into just learning songs and i found like tab crawler was like the old site i remember using a lot and uh just i'd hear a song on the radio be like i need to learn how to play that and i would google it find the chord chart whatever and and just kind of start playing hammer it out and that was all just happening like in my room you know alone i was like well i'm doing this i might as well start doing it in front of people but the the first thing ever like the first performance or, okay, I guess even before, like, a first actual, like, legit performance, the first time I ever sang in front of, like, a crowd was at Valley Fair during a Johnny Holm huh. concert. He was doing uh, Louisiana Saturday Night. And he's walking around. He's walking around, and I'm singing every word to it, and he's like, you look like you know the words. And I was like, yeah, and he's like, you want to give it a go? And he hands me the microphone, and I did, and I just started singing this song. We were there with a How much did he give you? Group. Like, I finished. I took her home. Wow. Like, yeah. He let it go. <laughs> Good for you, bro. And uh, afterwards, he was like, man, that was awesome. We got another show coming up in a couple hours where you should come back. If you come back, you can do something else. And I was like, yeah, totally. And uh, came back and did The River by Garth uh, at, the, at the second show. And that was sort of my first taste of, of performing in front of people. And I knew that I, I was like, I didn't freak out. I was pretty comfortable doing it. Uh, I could do that again. Yeah. And then the next thing was uh, my church would do a youth musical every year. And the first thing I did was I rapped. What? <laughs> yeah, it was a rap. Like Sunday School Rock was the name of the song, but it had like a rappy kind of a That's part cool. in there. And that was because, again, like I said, yeah, I'm listening to Vanilla Ice and Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch and New Kids on the Block, whatever, all that kind of stuff. And I think <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of people in that youth group at that time that could really kind of pull off a rap. Yeah. But so they kind of tapped me for it, and I did it, and that was fun. And then uh, that sort of uh, led into, like, singing and being a lead kind of vocalist. I didn't start playing in front of people like my guitar, though, until later. But then that also was a, a thing in the church band. And it, oddly enough, it was with Erica Hansen's mom was, uh, a, you know, a kind of the choir director. Yeah, we're going to church. all that, obviously. And uh, we're going to get there. Kind of tapped me and recruited me to start playing guitar at church. And, uh, yeah, started doing that. And 
did that for many years. You know, got was really involved with the youth program, and it's specifically that youth musical that they would do every year. And that was really a, a, a great learning experience too, because it was sort of a variety show where all the youth would kind of come together and, and submit song suggestions, and we'd have a ton, and we'd eventually have to narrow it down to like ten or so or whatever. But they would all be very different, you know. Like there was stuff by like DC Talk, who at the time was kind of grungy, and then there was a little more like kind of pop sort of uh, centered stuff, and then some really kind of acoustic-driven things. So it was kind of a a very diverse set of music, which, you know, again, kind of worked for me since I I always was kind of inspired by or liked all kind of genres. But they're all very different when it comes to playing. So it kind of gave gave me a well-rounded sort of approach, I think, to playing the guitar. I've never been like a a lead guy, a shredder. I'm not – I don't love that – anyway, I don't like – dislike it but standing up on a speaker just ripping away right or pe- everyone like <laughs> loves like eruption by van halen i'm like that sounds like a noodling warm-up exercise to me right yeah you know, i want to jam i want to groove i like i'm more into like acdc riffs than i am the kind of business yeah. give me like a good hooky groove groove but doing those youth musicals definitely you know kind of got me experience playing a lot of different styles of music and then eventually one day linda was like hey erica is in a band and they're looking for a rhythm guitar player. You should check into it. You this is into it. Yep. the band he's referring to is us. Not I got it. I'm, I'm following. I'm so a couple corrections to the uh, the Erica Hansen episode of Boots and Backstraps. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Because the, <laughs> first, <laughs> edits, edits. the first show that you guys were talking about was not the first show of North Gone South because I went to see you guys. No, the first show with before. you. The first show with me was at uh, Tailgates in Eau Claire. Yes, yes. That is true. But the first show I saw was at Halftime Rec, and that was uh, where I came out and met you guys. Oh, St. Paul. Yep. That was a – have you been to Halftime Rec? TV? I know where it is, yeah. It's got a goofy configuration that the bar's in the middle. And there's like two sides of the bar, almost like a little hallway on either end to get from one side to the other. And the stage is on one end of one side. Right, right. Yep. So you're kind of playing to like one half of the bar for the most part. And you're kind of looking out your peripheral and other. seeing this whole other half of the bar <laughs> yep. that's you know not facing you. So you're like, are we supposed to sing this way? Or? You're right. But so I went out and saw you guys there. Uh, we all talked. I was like, I had a good kind of just a good impression of the band and stuff. And then you guys invited me out to the studio to, to jam and give me some tunes to kind of play through to, to kind of, you know, have some material to, to play together. Like the, as soon as he left, like he walked out the door to take off or whatever. Cause we had, that was our thing. Like, okay, get out. We're going to talk. Right. We've had enough. Now we'll, we'll discuss it. Yeah. We'll so he takes off and literally as soon as he walks out the door, they were all looking at me cause I was the band leader. Uh-huh. They're like, we have to hire that guy because he and our lead player at the time, Jeremy Robinson just clicked. And he, his vibe, Brandon's vibe with everybody was really good. Like we all just loved him from a person standpoint, but the fact that he was such a talented musician also was like, he's a no brainer. We have to have him in the band. So I don't even think we let you get home before we called you. Yeah, I think that's right. And uh, I'll never forget one of the first, like, kind of bigger gigs that we had was opening for the Low Cash Cowboys. In Wisconsin. Yeah, at the Pioneer Amphitheater or whatever it was called. And it was, like, weather was terrible. But that was a, that was a fun show. That was where it was like, man, like, I mean, this it was just right away. It was, I loved the group of people. And that, I mean, there's so much, like, I, I, I'll drive by, what is that, 73rd and Fridley or whatever? Yep. 
and I, I think about the apartment and going out and hanging out there. And I remember when you got all those lights and like the fog machines and all that. And we were setting <laughs> everything up in the apartment and then loading the trailer to bring everything out to Eau Claire. To Do you remember up. jumping on the dolly across the parking lot at our first <laughs> event with you? Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> he for was. Sure. I was just like, look at this guy. I mean, it's a little two foot by two foot dolly on casters. Well, you got to ride that thing. <laughs> we're working That's across fair. the parking lot. He just <laughs> takes off running and jumps on it, and he's like. <laughs> Oh man, but I mean, it was so much fun, and like that, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of great memories for sure. D- and not even just like with the gigs and stuff that we did, even like going to uh, was it Psycho Susie's after a rehearsal, yep. or because I was right in the area, and just like it was just such a cool part of my life, you know. And I, like that, you were such a welcoming and inviting person. You, I mean, that's I mean, Shane is a hustler, dude. Like the stuff that you do, it's amazing. You're gonna flatter me. I am gonna flatter you, and you deserve it because I mean, just a great visionary. You know, like you have ideas, and you're relentless about pursuing them until they're a reality. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes I piss people off, right, Danny? That's (laughs) that's how it. Yeah, I mean, there's a it's a fine line between like genius and crazy, right? It is. But uh, then you know, doing the the rowdy cowboy show. That's eventually how I ended up at Bob because we came in to do – well, I did your podcast. Yep. You asked Erica and I to open for Jake Nelson yep. at the uh, Jack, Jack, Jack Friday. Friday. Great show. And to plug that show, we were on the Homegrown show with PP. And it, it kind of left a mark on him. Here's you. Yeah, that was that was a fun night. That was the, that was the first Cowboy podcast Radio. I was ever on. Really? Was you. And I remember like having this whole bit because I wanted to keep kind of saying like – Let's go to the phones. Can we go to the phones? And I remember saying that for sure. I was <laughs> like, just dumb. But uh, it was well, a lot to of concur fun. with what you said, first time I met Shane, I knew he was going to be the guy that succeeded me in the Rowdy Cowboy show. Just I like just, that. Uh, just like that, because I see dozens and dozens and dozens and hundreds of guys and people um, every week, and I tried unsuccessfully five times to retire. And when I met Shane, I said, that's this the is the guy. Yeah. This is the guy. And uh, that's uh, nothing but a total compliment because you are the guy. Uh, you you get it in many different ways. Yeah. Well, I'm flattered. I, I can't thank either of you enough. I'm truly, truly honored to call you friends and to have worked together and you know have our friendship and professional relationship grow. Yep. I think you're a pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> you know I love you too. Yep. I, I think like Brandon said, you have to have that little bit there also. That's an important detail to – you know, I, the thing that I value is you, you two included that Danny and I have this relationship where she can just tell me when I'm being a pain in the ass. Sure. You know, She's I still need people I need like that, that around you. Yeah, yeah. I need that. I don't know if you can hear it in your earphones. She's still giggling back there. <laughs> oh, I can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing he's not saying is he's, you know, buttering up the turkey over here is the first gig that we did, we literally gave him the material like a week before. And he had like a 50 song list, which he only knew a small fraction of at the time. And he literally burned his skin on his <laughs> fingers down to blood. Pretty much, yeah. Learning that set over the course of a week so he could play with us that next weekend. Nice. One of my favorite memories about that whole process was I was still living at home at that time with my parents. And uh, it gets late in the evening. I still need to be going over these tunes and learning this music and stuff. So I would go sit in my car in the driveway and turn the radio on. And I'd like sit in like shotgun with my guitar in my car playing uh, along with these tunes like late into like 2 a.m. or whatever you know rocking out and at one point all of a sudden this car comes screaming down my road 
followed by like six cop cars. And then, like, there's a block right in front of my house where he led him uh, uh, around there a couple times. But, there, like, I witnessed a high-speed chase. Like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> I st- like, I was waiting for it to end in my yard with, like, gunfire or whatever. Because <laughs> I was terrified for a minute. But uh, then they ended up, you know, stopping and, and getting the guy. But but I was like, man, I would have totally missed that if I wasn't out here. Did they shoot him right there on the they, spot? They did not. No. Unfortunately, <laughs> I did not get to witness a, a, a police-involved shooting. But, um <laughs> This was before, you know, smartphones. If everybody had cameras, oh, yeah. otherwise I'd have had some great content. Yeah. But no, it was awesome. I was like, that was a, an, a, a wild adventure, just right in front of my house. And then I remember, like, so after that whole ruckus, then I was like, well, I'm going back in. And I remember thinking, like, my parents were going to think that was me, probably like <laughs> running from the cops, because it was just like that same time. Steering with your in. knees while you play. But there was a lot of that, a lot of nights like that, where I would be out in my car listening to those tunes. And what's what's amazing too is I, I I mean now being the host of the homegrown show and being kind of plugged into like these local bands and stuff and getting out and to see people doing sets, I'll see a band doing a set where I'm like that was like the set we did a decade ago. Yeah. But that's just how like timeless and how great that music is. That like go ahead try to like name one country band ones. locally that doesn't play Fish in the Dark. Right. Yeah. Oh. You can't. It's going to happen. <laughs> All the years that I was a disc jockey, there were two songs. I don't know which one. Probably Fishing in the Dark was the ultimate most requested. But take a guess what, and it's a little bit before your time, but not Family much. Tradition. No, um, that was a big one for us because of the Rowdy Cowboy uh-huh. show. But Dan Seals. Bop? Or Bop. Yeah, I love that. It's a, oh, that's my a God, all through the uh, 80s. Can I tell you, he's an encyclopedia. <laughs> oh, yeah. All through the 80s, man. Unbelievable. But then Fishing in the Dark happened, and that certainly took over number one. That is a crowd pleaser. You're getting, like, and that's, that's how what, I met my wife. It's bringing people together. But that's one <laughs> of those songs where like it doesn't matter your your background or what kind of music you're into. Like everybody knows that song. Yeah. Oh. Well, like metalheads, rock, pe- you know, like the hip hop fans. I guarantee no Fishing in the Dark. Yep. Everybody knows that tune. And you gotta say bullshit yeah. at the right point in time. <laughs> yes, you do. That's one of my favorites. Jimmy Ibbotson, man, what a cool, cool guy. That whole band, man. We had them at the Wee Fest. How many times? Uh, they were tied with John Anderson and Sawyer Brown. It was a three-way tie. Just as a couple. Um, ten times. Killers there, too. I love all that. Ten times, each one of them. Ooh, that and is amazing. You know, I, even before we had them uh, at the Wee Fest, well, I, actually the second time, uh, there was a show that uh, – I can't think of his name, but you know the Taste of Minnesota. They had a they had a bandstand. They would bring in fish. Was They'd that the one in St. Paul? Yep. Okay. At, right at the state capitol. Yep. I walked up and I visited. I got to know Jimmy really well and Jeff and all the guys really, and uh, such down to earth, wonderful, wonderful guys. It was heaven in '87, so it was '86. No, it was '87. They were at the capitol because that was in July. Fourth of July, and I said, "Hey, twins are in the pennant race at that point." I Ooh, said, "Say something good, about uh, good years, good times." Really say good. something about heaven in '87 up in Detroit Lakes, and right at the end of the show, man, we'll see all of you in Detroit Lakes for heaven in '87. You know, I was what a promo. What a, what a, uh, he's such a professional. Did you slip him a fifty? <laughs> no, just a hug and a kiss. <laughs> but I mean, that was such a great show itself. The uh, uh, the Wee Fest. Oh like, yeah, I mean, that's legendary stuff. That. Minnesota rite of passage kind of a deal. You bet. 
we've talked so much about the WeFest, uh, obviously on our podcast, and uh, someday we'll just do a show totally and strictly devoted to that. Mm-hmm. And because we always referenced the Rowdy Cowboy Show, the WeFest. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, both of those things have amazing histories. Oh yeah. So yeah, cool. I'm so uh, happy to have been involved with both of them. Yeah, well. well, I guess I was one of the founding members of the WeFest, and I guess I started the <laughs> You did. Yeah. So I guess I was involved a little but bit. That's, I, mean, and that, I mean, just the name Tomcat is a another local kind of legend. I tell you him, know, I'm right? like, you are literally the most famous country personality to ever come out of the region. Like, what you can't the, find one that's bigger. Was it the Moron Tabernacle Choir? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you've referenced them before. I have. Um, I have photos here somewhere of you know there's this group of guys that would all and john this is a good story at any rate started there with the, when the song swinging came out there'd be a group of guys that would stand up there and they'd clap and they'd go back more and then just to swing and and, and then they swing yeah. and, but then they incorporated out over time stroke stroke <laughs> you know and, and swing and so i don't know how many times we did this live with john anderson He'd just come into the WeFest laughing his ass off. Are we going to do some swinging, Tomcat? He says, I'm going to play my extra long version of swinging <laughs> this time. So the last time we did it, I mean, it started out. You had shirts, right? Yeah. Oh, man. It's shirts. Oh, we had shirts for him, yes. That's why I was looking around because I know in one of those boxes over here, I've got a bunch of pictures of the guys with. So I don't know why, but, you know, I gave a lot of nicknames out over the years. And that was the Moron Tabernacle <laughs> Choir. <laughs> yeah. Can you actually, real quick, Danny, if you or sorry, Kyle, um, if you can go to the Matt Mathune folder. Yeah. We had some photos of I you guys doing the up. swing and yep. dance. That was when Matt was here. Eighty-four or eighty-three, but I think it was eighty-four, and it just got so big. I'm telling you, Brandon, the last time John Anderson and I were there together. He said, just bring them all up on stage. Well, they were coming up on stage. But the last time, we had over 100 people strung. You couldn't even see the band. Took a life and of John its Anderson own. would pop his head through once in a while, and he'd just be laughing. He just thought that was the funniest thing in the world because no one did that anywhere else. It, made it was it just a deal we sure. started at the Hogsville. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we started a lot of traditions, you know, like the Hank song, family tradition. It was a Hank medley. Right. Because it was the three songs you play consecutively, and they all had their own routines. And then we all did the routine, but uh, the lyrics what? of the Why Do We Drink? To get a drink. Why Do We Smoke? Or Why We Roll Smoke? So yeah. So I have my own thing. That all started, and you know, that became a worldwide yeah, a thing because all the college kids, and there was dozens of colleges that came to Monday night at the Hogsbreath, it spread all over the United States, and that's where it started. That right. why do we drink, get drunk, why do we roll smoke, we get stoned. But yeah. I had my own little uh, thing that caught on with our sort of like version of Rowdy Cowboy Show. And it was in that song just one day I I was in the booth. I don't remember KG was doing something, the song's playing. And I'd sing along a little occasionally with it. And, uh, and it would do the why would you drink. And then, you, you know, you'd kill it, let everybody yell, to get drunk. And it'd say, why do we roll smoke? And I'd go, to go to jail. And it was like, <laughs> I was just trying to be funny. Then literally the next week, the next Monday, we played that song. <laughs> I heard like four people like, to go to jail. And then like, you know, a month later, there's like 30 people doing it. And I was like, okay, this is really funny now. What's really funny is the way you just said it. To go to jail. 
<laughs> Maybe I should have Lynn pull my pants down a little too. But that shows you too the power of a microphone I'm and the power you. of a, of a crowd and the way that people work. Like uh, I saw, I, it was I think it was a stand-up comedian who did it, and I, I found it to just be hilarious. But he said, uh, like to the crowd, he just goes, "We are farmers," and then like the entire crowd went bum ba dum bum 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 <laughs> without being like prompted to do it. Like that's yep. just how people no pre plan, right? Oh yeah, it's pretty crazy. But so you start a thing like that, and uh, it just yeah, it takes. Oh my you know what so the best example on. of that is, boys? And I know you will both appreciate this, and I will thank my brother Kyle in there because he's the one that introduced me to this, but Queen at Live Aid, Wembley Stadium. They had the whole stadium doing all of their stuff. Oh, yeah. I was, like, blown away when I saw that video. Radio Gaga. Radio Gaga. Oh, yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, but I tell you what, we do as much as fun as I'm, because this is like maybe the most fun I've had on this you podcast. You know, this is. Uh, Brandon, you're a great guest. And I told we're you. We're just coming back with you. all these memories and uh, fun things to talk about. It, I know we're going to take a break here, but we it are. doesn't seem like we've been talking longer than 20 minutes. <laughs> well, we're over an hour already. I know. Wow. It's, just, it's the uh, longest first half we've had, which is fantastic because I'm just having a blast. Me too. So uh, we do got to keep the lights on, boys. And so we're going to get the sponsors in here for a minute. But when we come back with. B squared. We will talk more about uh, his sort of ongoings with former bands, with current musical acts, and then we want to dive head right on into Bob FM and with what's going on with Bob. Cool. So we'll be back right after the break. Boots and Backstraps is proudly brought to you by Homes by Shane. Making your move with the Homes by Shane team means an unparalleled customer service experience. That level of service is the foundation of this REMAX Results referral-based business. Our driven team of experts communicate with their clients every step of the way, ensuring a memorable experience from the first conversation through your closing day. Go to homesbyshane.com for more information. Let's get you home. If you would like to sponsor the Boots and Backstraps podcast or you have an interest in joining our team, Send us an email to Boots and Backstraps Podcast at gmail.com. Welcome back from the break, everyone. When we last left our hero, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about your um, music that you're involved in, live performance specifically, and acts that you used to be part of. And we transitioned kind of out of the church gig into the North Con South gig, which is how we met. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I left the band, and the band changed names to Six Wheel Drive, right? Six Wheel Drive. At the time, there was six of us, and that's where the name there came from. Well, that is, and that was after because it was uh, Greta who was our sixth, and uh, she eventually was stolen by Johnny Holm. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a sad deal, but it was fun having a fiddle in the band. And as we view that picture, you're second from the right. Yeah, and that's where all uh, smoking cigars. You look cool. a little bit like the uh, Kentucky Headhunters in that. <laughs> I don't know who the gentleman on the far right is, but I can assume he's the bassist. Yep, that's John Diggerness. Okay, played bass, and then Christine Stahlberger was our uh, uh, singer. Took over for Erica, and uh, Jeremy. He eventually ended up leaving too, and that's we replaced him with uh, John Krentz, who then went on to form Maiden Dixie, and now is in Lake and Lindale. Mm-hmm. But so. Uh, we picked up. He uh, grabbed a bunch of McNally Smith people. He did, yeah, and uh, he brought in Drew Sherman, who played bass, because John Diggerness wasn't with us for for very long, 
uh, he replaced Toby. Because that's, I mean, we go back to, uh, we had Matt and Jillian back yep. in the North Gone South days. Yep, then and they, they went left, out to South Dakota. And uh, Toby came in to play bass. From Shane Wyatt. And uh, we, we rolled with that configuration for a while, picked up Greta on the fiddle. Which was a, f- a great addition. Oh, to the she's band. yeah, beautiful, great singer, great yep. musician. She played oh. fiddle and keys. And keys, yep. Uh, correction number two from the Erica oh. Hansen uh, episode: <laughs> the night of the kidney stones. Okay, <laughs> you did perform a song. You came up on stage and did "All Summer Long" by Kid Rock because both Jeremy and I didn't want to do it. <laughs> Neither of us liked that song. I have to be honest. I don't remember any of that. You were high, <laughs> for sure. Very high. But uh, you did come up, and you sang, and you and you killed it for being in what I can only imagine is extreme pain. I might have been, like, you actually were high in because of why? Painkillers. Uh, painkillers, yeah. Because of painkillers? Because yeah. of the kidney stones. I can't imagine having kidney I, stones. I don't remember if it was morphine or something else or whatever, but I just remember sitting in that front row watching the performance and having the time of my life because like, I was so great. high. I love it. <laughs> but, yeah, so you did – you got up, though, and you rocked out. I might have rock. actually been in key. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was a fun night. It was a good show, and that, I remember uh, – the, the kind of crash course rehearsal session that we had in the cabin before because that was when we was like, okay, well, I guess we're going we to have Shane. <laughs> split up songs. I'll take some. Jeremy takes some, and we just kind of hammered through them all. That was one of the videos that was on YouTube for a while. Uh, and I, almost, I feel like maybe it was International Harvester, too, that we were uh, uh, rehearsing on the video that Scotty Coteen uh, videoed. But he was running lights at the time, right? Yeah. Because you had the chancellor on the sound. Yep, that whole and that was just a, another like the, the way that you opened up that thing to it. There was a whole community of people around it, and it was cool. Yeah, it was very cool. We had a very cool vibe and a very cool connection. And you know, even when I left the band, it was hard at first for me because I was like, I you know, I don't want this change, but ultimately it was the best thing because the you know the live performance thing from that aspect. I was a natural, have been a natural MC which, you know, I continue to do and still do now. Yep. Um, and uh, the band thing was just, like, sort of a fun thing to do. And, uh, I mean, well, talk about landing on your feet and finding, like, a perfect outlet for you. Well, yeah. the- Did, have you heard that story? So, like, uh, shortly after I left, I was already kind of a fan and attending Rowdy Cowboy Show with right, TK. Because I do remember you bringing us one night. Like, you guys got to see this. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I continue to go. And uh, and then one afternoon, I, I was I went back into construction, doing construction during the day, and uh, I get this voicemail from Tomcat, who I'd had you know five words with, ever, just at the show, like hey, it's good to see you or whatever. And he was really good about politics, and he'd say hi to people and whatever when they come into the club. And uh, he left me this voicemail and just said, hey Shane, it's Tomcat. Um, I'd really like to chat with you about something. You know, come on up tonight to my restaurant in Lionel Lakes. It's called Red Oak Steak and Wine. I'll be up there about this time. Just come meet with me. And I was like, the first thing in my head is like, how did this guy get my number? <laughs> you know, because I didn't give it to him. So I show up at the restaurant, and he buys me a steak and a beer, and he lays this whole rowdy cowboy show it's thing way to me. a man's heart for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I only heard half of what he said, but I was like, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> no. Yeah, he was like, I, I've been trying to hang it up for a long time. You had me at steak and beer. Right. <laughs> the, the wife and I have all these plans to do other things, and, you know, the restaurant's got me busy, and I just – you know, this is just something that I can't really do anymore. I don't have the time for to give it the what it deserves. And uh, and I just said, yeah, that'd be great. And I knew right away kind of coming into it that I had these plans to, you know, to kind of like do different things with it. But we won't get into that right now because we've got a, 
a fun episode to do that coming up soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's I'm looking forward to that too. There's going to be a lot. It was of a God thing, you know. There's no doubt about it in my mind. Well, yeah. that's, I do believe that everything happens for a reason, Absolutely. you know. And uh, if you are are listening and keeping your eyes open to those signs and those uh, just kind of uh, uh, nudges in whatever direction, yep. and you have the 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 faith to to you know, trust in that and go for it, good things are going to happen. And uh, yeah, like I think that's been evidenced all throughout. I think this journey and our connection, yep. and uh, just uh, there's yeah a, a a a bigger picture at work for sure. Well, if you'd have listened to our last uh, week episode with uh, David McElroy, who was so hot, I mean it was such a fun episode. We really we really dove into the uh, God thing. And he uh, means hot via popularity, hot. by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah and it was uh, also hot though. It was oh warm. gosh, was it ever? But uh, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that segment, and uh, it certainly was. The Lord brought us together, and uh, man, I'm telling you, I, I I'd be a little embarrassed to tell you how many years I did that Rowdy Cowboy show. Um, not that I'm really embarrassed about it, but you should be proud. You know, when you get to a certain stage in your life, you think, well, you got to stop acting like a drunk kid. <laughs> right. Um, although I run real similar parallels to what I did to what Johnny Holmes does. And I have nothing but respect and admiration for well, another what thing he's that done. He's built an empire. And I that's, know. I think, what, what you did, too, with the Rowdy Cowboy Show. They, and it goes beyond you and will have a life outside of that. I mean, yeah. Johnny Holmes' band's still rocking, and I don't even think he's taking the stage with them anymore. Jordan's pretty much running yeah, the show. Yeah, Jordan's oh. got the con. I was wondering where he was at with it, and I'm like, man, that's impressive as long as he's done it. Because we both started about the same time, and uh, – to see him change and grow old or older and uh, with the music. And uh, I'm like, wow, because he expends a lot of energy. Yeah. I mean, you guys know better than I what it, how much energy it takes to perform uh, in a live band. And so he was smart about it and having other people t- take a song Everybody or two. Everybody had you know, to. <laughs> like he'd get breaks out throughout the show. Yeah. And that yeah. I always uh, was like, man, that is yeah. a smart idea yeah. it's a smart man <laughs> people knew if you were going to be in his band that you had to be able to do a couple of t- uh, songs because yeah. it wasn't going to be him on lead all night he was going to do a song or two and then he'd throw it to somebody else and throw it to somebody else and he'd do a song or two the thing that i always loved and appreciated about johnny and i know him personally because my father knows him for some wild reason like they've known each other for a long time um is the fact that he always shows up to gigs in just blue jeans and a t-shirt a ball cap like, he's not there to impress anybody with how he looks. He's like, we're just going to throw a party. Right. And you, yep. it's not going to matter what I look like. You're just going to have a great time. I never knew him when I started, but he and I were on the same wavelength. He just said, hey, this is a party. We're going to sing along. We're going to dance, maybe do a contest. And I was doing the same thing. I was just giving everybody permission to let their so hair let down, get fun, wild, yeah. get crazy, have fun. And uh, I've always admired him uh, and his show and all that he's done in amount of time he did it yeah long time yeah like i mean that's timeless. one of those few names that stand out in that whole world like i mean i, I think of like uh um the killer hayseeds yep. oh, yeah high noon high noon johnny westbound west like so like there's yep. this small handful of acts like that that just really or the killer established. oh i've got old old like 84 85 footage of the killer hayseeds uh, up at the refabs have you digitized that stuff yet, or is it still on, like, oh, tape? I've got you it should. in a bag. you got to get it get it on, like, a hard drive, get it to, to – That bag right over your right shoulder is all of that footage. Can I give it to you? 
there will be a fee. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. No, but that's uh, that's called box seats at the Wee Fest. That's right. what a fee is. No kidding. Yeah. For no, no, no. I don't care if there's a fee. I do have to do that. <laughs> yeah, you and do. Now that I brought it down here from my cabin, or we were, you know, the it's getting closer to where Entertainment it needs to go. Tonight did a segment of the Tomcat Rowdy Cowboy Show many years ago, and I've got that uh, VHS. That's VHS amazing. I mean, that, I remember watching that show like with my mom. Entertainment Tonight, man, it was a big deal. Yeah, Mary Hart, the whole works. Yeah. And I've got it in there, and it was real. Grainy Grainy and, uh, we tried to play it in here, but we had tracking issues, and then we lost right. audio at one point. I'm su- but yeah, I'm surprised you even had a VCR or whatever it is that you needed to get that stuff. Yeah, Danny off. found one and brought it in. Mine, <laughs> mine in my cabinet that collected dust for years. I tried it, and I'm like, well, that ain't working no more. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's great. I mean, with a lot of that old stuff that we have, you know, if, if you have home videos, things yeah. like that, you got to get them on a better medium. Cause yeah, I got to do that. Yeah. Doggone it, I gotta quit procrastinating because I'm gonna lose some of this amazing footage of some great bands and just fun things at the Wii Fest and other stuff. And so six wheel drive. Yeah. Back Wh- to the top. What happens with six wheel drive? Six wheel drive starts rocking out. There's Tobias. There he is, Toby. Toby, Jeremy, Scotty Hearn back there on the drums. Um I mean, so yeah, we kept going and uh, we had steam. I think there, I mean there was a, we had a good chemistry we had a, a a good catalog of music and good relationships too good on some levels because as I started dating the uh, lead singer at the time Christine whoops and then that yeah whoops that doesn't always end well and it didn't which eventually did end up but it was also at a time because I mean it was I was. One of the deals with Erica's mom, when she set me up with North Gone South, and when I went to audition and to be a part of the band, she was like, you should definitely do this. I want you to do this. I think you'll be great at it. I think you'll get it. But you got to also keep coming and playing here yeah. Sunday mornings for church. And I was just like, yeah, okay, I can you know, make that happen. started to get harder and harder, though, towards the end. And I remember there was one gig, again, up at the Commander. We were just talking about the Commander off air, but uh, where – she, Linda, Erica's mom, actually came to pick me up Saturday night to make sure that I was back at church Sunday morning. Like that's how. It, so it started to really kind of take a toll when you're doing gigs. You got Friday, to a fork in Saturday, the road, and then yeah, and I had to kind of pick. You know, like I, I can only do one of these things, and it's going to sound sort of dismissive, and I don't, you know, think this is necessarily the case for everybody. But I kind of got tired of being background music for another round of drinks for a bunch of knuckleheads. It's kind of what it, it turns into when you're that bar band type of a thing. And we're just yep. doing covers at that point. Um, so it was kind of an easy decision. I was like, I got to pick one. And I was like, one of them really has my heart. Like, one of them I loved. I loved being in a bar band and playing, like, and I still miss it all the time. I just was, I saw Hitchville a couple weeks ago at uh, Rockwoods playing on the trailer out there for their Wednesday night bonfire thing. I think thing. it was, like, their first, like, show back, wasn't well, it? It very well may have Rockwoods, been. Rockwoods, I think. And uh, I was like, oh, man, I, I miss that. That is a, something that, you know, I'll always remember fondly. But it did get to a point where I had to choose one. And the playing in church and doing that, that's where it started. That's where I feel like, I mean, I was, I remembered like a quote. It was something where, like, where your greatest passion meets the world's greatest need. That's like your calling. Good you know? for you. And I was like, well, my greatest passion is music. I think the world's greatest need is God. 
I feel like I'm I'm kind of I'm called I'll never to be. regret that decision. And and I know I won't, you know, and I think that I would had I made the decision yep. the other way around. Yep, yep. So I think I did it right, but it was a tough change too to 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 step back from that band. And I'll never forget uh, this was um John Krentz and Drew Sherman kind of took over management of the band cuz at that time now I was the last surviving member. Like Scotty Hearn had just left and we were just I had added a different drummer, Alex Vaughn was his name. So now at this point, I'm the only North Gone South member still standing. Last guy in, last, last guy, guy out. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that John and Drew called me, and I remember them being like, is it cool if we stick with six-wheel drive and, like, can you keep that name and all that kind of stuff? And I was like, yeah, but why, though? It's a dumb name anyway. <laughs> like, <laughs> I never loved it. I didn't, like, I mean, there's worse names, obviously. But uh, I was like, yes, you can absolutely keep that name, but you know, you might want to think about a different one or whatever. But uh, for sure, you can absolutely continue with six-wheel drive. And shortly after that, they came back with uh, a new name that I was like, oh, that is much better, and it suits you guys well, and it was Maiden Dixie. Oh, I like name. that name, yeah. Yeah, and it has, I mean, that's... Uh, and that was the band. And, that, th and they... That was your band? They started killing the it. progression went. Yeah, it went from North Gone South to six-wheel drive to Maiden Dixie, and then Maiden Dixie ended, eventually kind of ended up splitting up a bit. After Jesse a bunch Becker, of years. Yeah, after a bunch of years. They, and they were, I mean, top-notch. Yeah, they band. were. They were doing real well. Can, they can, started I, just, can I slip into this yeah. right here? Can I just hit pause for your story for a yep. second? So funny, like, interjection into this part of your story is that we had them headline Jack Friday. And that was the – I mean, I knew Jesse, but it's the first time I had met Drew or that I had met John, um, John or Channing. Channing. Um, I, first time I met basically the rest of the group, I only knew Jesse at that point, mm -hmm. which is how we ended up getting they them. They probably still had Jamie on keys at that yes, time. Yes, yep, Alex Jamie was still there. Them. Yep. I think Maiden Dixie is a great name. Yeah. Well, so I, we – I mean, that has national flavor to it. Yep. So we were hanging out in the green room before the – before anybody started. The concert hadn't started at all, so it wasn't even, like, before their set because they were headlining. And Jesse and I are just talking or whatever, and, like, so I think it was Channing and John and Drew, like, those three that specifically came walking into the green room. And, uh, and they were like, oh, you guys know each other? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then it, like, it just kind of went to that whole, well, you know, you guys are sort of like pseudo-grandfather North Gone South. And they were like, oh, we remember that band. And I was like, yeah, that, you know, I was in that band. I started that band. And they were like, really? And I was like, yeah. And then, of course, it's Six Wheel Drive. And they were like, oh, yeah. So it was like this, this cool, funny well, moment. Full circle. A little yeah. Kuna <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything, it's all connected, you know. Uh, and Jesse Becker, he, uh, it, early on in the band, uh, Maiden Dixie. There were a couple weeks where he like couldn't make it, and he needed a sub, and I so I filled in for him, and uh, that was a blast. Kind of getting to do it again for a little bit, and I did some uh, jump in fill in work with uh, Tara Bixby, who she subbed with. I don't know if she ever subbed with North Gone South, but she subbed for Six Wheel Drive for sure. She never when I was with NGS, and then she ended up having a band called Northern Charm. And uh, she's a couple other acts. She's still out there doing the thing. I think she's a solo now. Uh, and she's got, a, like, an acoustic duo and, like, five-minute major or whatever. Oh, right. But so um, I did some fill-in work. But it was fun watching Maiden Dixie kind of grow and progress to be just a really solid cover band. And then they started doing originals that were really great. Channing is an excellent songwriter. Jesse's brother, Graham, wrote a bunch of stuff for them. Uh, I also fell in love with Jesse Becker's dad. I don't know Jeff. if you know him at all. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like in the two hicks and a chick deal and Allie Gray. Wasn't he just back up here to, to play a show with them? He, I think he might have been, yeah. Because he's in know, Florida. Florida, right? yep. Yeah. But, uh, Do you know Jeff Becker? Dude. 
the you name have too. sounds familiar, but yeah, no. you have. I to. guarantee you've crossed paths with okay. Jeff Becker for sure. He's yeah. a party animal too. You know, like oh, that, that, <laughs> great that musician too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Great singer, excellent harmonies and stuff. Mm-hmm. But so it was fun watching Maiden Dixie uh, kind of do what they were doing, and then eventually they made the decision to to move to Nashville and to make a know, run, kind of chase the dream that way. Jesse Becker though had just got married and had a kid. Yep. And decided to stay here. <laughs> Brittany was like, eh, we got a baby. <laughs> so they all kind of split up. And uh, I remember having Maiden Dixie at the Duke House. Yeah. yeah. More yep. than once. Yep. Yes. Yes, for sure. So I, I whoever, the, what was the name you were asking me about? Jeff Becker. That's Jeff Jesse's Becker. father. Yeah. Okay. Um, so our, our paths may have crossed for there. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I wonder if he'll be back up for the, because last time I saw him, I think it was during the State Fair a couple years ago. But uh, yeah, he comes. He gets back up, and the, the two hicks and a chick thing. They're great. I love Allie Gray. She's awesome. Allie's unbelievably talented yeah. too. But so watching uh, that that change for Maiden Dixie when they moved to Nashville, John and Channing, who are now married to, they yep. uh, they started Lake and Lindale is the name of their band now. And then there, so there still is a Maiden Dixie, but they're back to being a cover group. And I don't know how often they gig or whatever, but I believe they're still around still. I don't think any of the original people are with them, though. But it's not. Yep, no, no, no original people for. And I don't know if Drew Sherman is still. He's in Alaska. Running that, but yeah, he's in Sitka, Alaska, is where he moved up to. And man, I love watching his. Like he just reached out to me because Chris Wasberg. I don't know if you did. He ever do sound for us when you were? uh, I know Chris, but he didn't when. Because he was just up there helping Drew with something in Alaska, like a tribute show or something that they were doing, and he's a talented guy. Sent me a message and. Yeah, just the, like looking at life in Alaska looks pretty amazing. So Drew, I'm he's telling up there. you, I'm hooked on some of the Alaskan shows on. Oh, I love it too. Below. That's uh, I love Mountain Life Below Men. Zero is a great show. Life Below show. Zero, yep. that's what I meant. Yeah, so <laughs> good. I love all. Thirty Two Below is a rock band. <laughs> they are a rock <laughs> band, and you can hear them on the Homegrown show Sunday nights. They do get in there. Really talented. Yeah. So the big shtick with Thirty Two Below is they would do a whole show with no set, no breaks. Like that was what made them popular. Oh man, I didn't even realize that they got that mix all talked up there. I got thirty-two below, and I meant to say life below below zero. zero. And having worked with, I bet you there's a show called Thirty-two Below. I mean, that's I wouldn't. There's a movie called Thirty-two Below for sure. (laughs) But um, yeah, like so that's where Drew is up there living life in Alaska, and it just it looks awesome. I'm a big fan as well. I've never been. I remember uh, my dad. So my dad, we got to give a plug to Godfather's Pizza too. That's what gives me everything I've ever had. My dad's worked <laughs> for Godfather's Pizza since a year before I was born. He started, you know, just kind of management and all that kind of stuff. Then eventually worked to uh, being a corporate guy, and he was a road warrior. But uh, he's been to every state in the country, and the last one that he had to add to his deal was Alaska. And he finally got like there was a Godfather's out there, and mm-hmm. so work sent him out. But uh, I've never been. I would love to go to Alaska oh, for sure. You I've been to Alaska twice. It's hard to even conceive. Isn't that where you shot that caribou? Yeah. It's yeah. hard to conceive the state of Alaska and how the mammoth size is because when you watch uh, Life Below Zero and you say, well, they're going here and they're going here. Well, on the television screen, it looks like, okay, they're going from Wisconsin over to Minnesota here. No, it's like going from New Jersey over to Montana, right? From Minnesota, covering down a lot to Mexico. of ground. Yeah, <laughs> it's like holy. It's a big mo- piece of land oh, for sure. Mammoth, yeah. 
But so Drew is still doing, he was working with like a school of music or something out there. So the, everyone still has, uh, you know, their fingers in the music world somewhere along the line. Now Jeremy was doing, uh, he's, him and Elisa moved down to California. Yep. And he was playing uh, for like a, a, like a theater or whatever. And then she started doing a bunch of acting and was like getting into that oh, cool. kind of world. But yeah, you know, I mean, it's just fun watching all those kind of things and I, I i would love to get uh maiden dixie back together at some point when they're all in town and have them on the homegrown show to just kind of do a fun. you know just kind of talk about reunion that show whole deal. yeah that'd it'd be, be amazing people want it like i i think jeff jones from bob posted something about that like hey you know i'd love to see a maiden dixie reunion and like the reaction that that got was huge like a lot of people agreed so i so would you concur yeah yeah so you go back to playing Sundays at church, but that's not the only performance you have, right? When do we start getting into some other, like your duo stuff? So with Erica, yeah, just she kind of basically called me one day and told me that that's <laughs> what we were doing. It wasn't even like she was like, "Hey, we're going to do an acoustic duo now," and I was like, "All right, I'm into it." And uh, <laughs> sort of the deal there was, uh, I was like, "Look away, Brandon, <laughs> look away." <laughs> but I, I was like, "I don't want to do any of the boring stuff." I'm not going to be, like, booking. I was like, you book a show and tell me when and where to play. I'll show up and do it. Kind of like a married life. <laughs> yeah, sort of. And she did. She took <laughs> the initiative to on do. all that and started putting stuff together and getting those gigs all over the place. And, I mean, we've known each other for decades now at this point and uh, have a great chemistry. She's like a sister to me. So, I mean, obviously I was like, yeah, let's do it. And I, at that point in time, because she left the band, she left Six Wheel Drive when she was pregnant with Julia, uh, the, her, her youngest. third, her youngest. And it was just like, again, one of those decisions where she was like, I, it was a tough one for her to make, I'm sure, to, to go and to focus on the family and to have her third kid and to, to be in mom mode. After a while, you know, like when things kind of settled down, she was really itching to get back into performing. I wasn't because I was playing at the church. You know, I'm playing every week, you know, multiple times because we have multiple services. And mm-hmm. so what I was kind of getting my fill. It's called Hope Church in Blaine. It used to oh be yeah. called Kingswood Church right on the corner of Highway 65 and 109th. I know, right? Where and it is. Uh, yep. it's an awesome community. It's a small, like the Christ Lutheran Church where I grew up playing with Erica's mom, g- technically kind of could be considered a mega church. I mean, they're like. 3,000 members, I think, mm-hmm. somewhere around there, three to 4,000 members. That's huge. The church that I work at now, Hope Church, which used to be Kingswood, is more like 300, you know, 400 okay. people. So it was a, a much smaller community, but it was clear to me right away that they had a huge heart and a huge reach. That They have one of like, the biggest food shelf in the North Metro every Thursday. Hope for the community happens, and like, they give literal tons of food to people in need every week. And, and it's just a very cool environment and then also pastor al who's my boss there and my pastor he's really uh, uh great at like pushing me to do fun music like so we'll oftentimes start a service with a secular tune and uh, like right now one of the w- ones that i'm planning on doing here soon is uh only here for a little while billy dean yep, great yep. song great great tune but he he he's had me do like kiss before yeah. church we played like rock and roll all night before a church service because yeah. it worked in with his theme the message that he was preaching. I've done, uh, we did, um, we just disagree. We did yep. that one already. I've done Garth tunes. I and love that song. We just, disagree. oh yeah, such a great, oh. great song. You know, who originally did that song, Dan, Dave Mason. Oh, and I saw him do it. Sorry. He, yeah, <laughs> I told you. <laughs> I saw him do it in Lake Geneva. 
in the 70s when he first came out with the song the, at Lake Geneva Playboy Club. They were showcasing bands. Eddie Rabbit was there. I love Eddie Dave Rabbit. Dave Madison was there. I can't remember too many other artists that were there, but Dave Mason played We Just Disagree, and I'm like... I mean, just and I mean, nailed it I just with the lyrics to that, that tune. It's a great song. Yeah. Gosh. It's a message that everybody could stand here yep. a bit. But so that's the, I, one of the things I love about Hope Church is being given that freedom and flexibility to do some yeah. really fun stuff. We've done Fleetwood Mac. We've done... Uh, Don Henley, you know, like I, will fl- I played a whole mess of tunes at uh, Hope Church. Yeah, so we should get together and uh, join them at a service someday. Yeah, it'd be great. We do Some a Sunday. Wednesday night service, which is our highest attended. If I wasn't, if I didn't have to be there at every service, since I'm the music director, I would go to a Wednesday night service. Yeah. Then you get your weekend back. So right, like that's right. that's our highest attended service is Wednesday night. And then we got a Saturday night and a Sunday morning. But our uh, group at uh, Eagle Brook, which is a huge. Church. Which campus do you go to? Uh, Lionel. Okay. The pastor there, yep. Bob's on our list of guests to cool. uh, appear. He and I pheasant hunt. Used to pheasant hunt together. But anyway, I, when you said that, I noticed that our band, they're starting to start out with some secular stuff, and it's pretty darn fun. Every time I've been to Eagle Brook, I'm always blown away yeah. by their uh, – they got great production value for yep, sure. Yep. Excellent musicians. They have a huge stable of people oh, playing gosh. with them. I got, again, again, like a group of – 400 people to pull from and obviously not every member right. of hope church is a musician no so it's even a smaller group and so every time i go into an eagle brook thing one i'm always blown away by them and then two i'm always kind of a little envious they're like oh man I yeah that uh, but you know what doesn't matter as long as you're serving the lord in right. your capacity and your group your community yeah. it is what it is and you know eagle brook has become i believe the fifth or sixth largest church in america yeah and that's all great but for some people, that's not so great. You know, they don't want to be a part of. They'd rather be a part of a smaller right. church. And well, Pastor Al knows like everybody's names. Yeah. You know, the pastor at Eagle Brook's gonna have a hard time remembering all Bob those. Bob Merritt names. don't know anybody's name. Yeah. He so. knows my name, but that's only that's because I piss him off every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> He's heckling him during his, uh, you know. Yeah. But so, like, I think all of those different uh, uh, environments and communities are necessary. Like, yeah. that's some people want that yeah, a big, absolutely. a real big deal. Some people want a smaller, more intimate kind of thing. And we like to joke around and say, like, we are one of the biggest churches in Minnesota, though. Right. But that's because the average uh, membership, I think, in a church is 80 or so. But that's because we have a lot of small country churches that mm. have very few absolutely. members. But so if, if 80 is the average, 300, we're well above that. We're one of the biggest churches in the country. <laughs> <laughs> Well, B, let's let's talk about how Bob comes into the into the picture because I know Bob is where your heart is right now, yeah. professionally. What a great when he's a big part of what they're doing over there. You and know, so I I'm remember meeting you there. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, go ahead. But I remember meeting you there when I was going to do the Rowdy Cowboy show on Bob. Like, Who's this young punk? <laughs> <laughs> no, and you were very complimentary. And um, for whatever reason, uh, we never did the Rowdy Cowboy show. We we're going to do it on a Saturday night. Yep. And I, whether I did it or I didn't do it, I still am a huge fan yeah. of that radio station. Neil and I go way, way back, and Neil does a fabulous job of running that station. And I probably shouldn't say it, but I'm not a fan of the today's country that so much, even though I'm going to be hosting again at the WeFest and all that. But whatever, it's my opinion. And right. There's some good yeah. stuff there, but... 
like that. So working at Bob, again, I'm I'm falling in love with all these like kind of new to me, but obviously you know definitely not new by any stretch. But like right now, my favorites are like Don Williams and Ronnie Millsap. <laughs> oh, I love the, the you know. And How like, can you miss? You're and, but you're not gonna get that on hat no hat. <laughs> right, <laughs> but you're not gonna get that on uh, like the Wolf or K102, and uh, God bless both those stations, and they're doing what they're doing. But uh, you're not gonna hear a lot of those great. You're not old gonna get tunes. Keith Whitley on either of those stations. No. You know, there are so many people that absolutely believe Bob is a godsend. I mean, the, that I listen to Bob, and I listen to all that great old music, and not of it's not a lot of it, not all of it's that old. I mean, right. just some classic, wonderful, great country music. And, and, you know, whether it's the homegrown show, bringing the hometown artists on, giving them a spotlight, and the uh, hunting and fishing show with the four outdoorsmen, you know, it's just a great, great radio station. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Bob, always will be. And uh, I'll definitely pass that on to Neil and the stage. I mean, it is, it's a small business itself. It's family-owned yep. and run. So it, we're not beholden to like a lot all the corporate right, right. radio kind of nonsense, and that's a huge gift too. Um, it, but like like the music, like you said, that's the difference maker. And I can leave my radio on Bob all day, and yep. I never have to change the the station because even if it's not a song that like I love or whatever, I don't hate it. And every other station, it's not eventually the they're going to hit me with hour? something, right? <laughs> and that's that's what's gonna happen. What you get on these other stations, and I get you know like you're like I can't take this anymore, and I have to change the <laughs> station. Bob can stay on all day long, and that's I'm not biased saying that. That's just the Neil truth. and I have the same uh, some similar taste in music, and I'll be listening. And here's one for Tomcat, and he'll and I know what the song is gonna be. It's going to be uh, uh, Chris Ledoux, tougher than the rest. Great mm -hmm. tune. Oh. That song melts my heart. Another tune you're not going to get on another no. station in this market. So, yeah, there, Bob is great. And, again, my involvement there, again, starts with Shane, which was just a, a, a great opportunity that turned into another great opportunity that turned into another, you know, one of those kind of deals. But uh, the Rowdy Cowboy Show was hosting Jack Friday at the Doghouse. Yeah, Jake Nelson headlining the event, who – has since become one of my favorite people on the planet. I love oh. that guy. He Snapchats me like every day. He's such a good dude. We get we got a Facebook Messenger back and forth <laughs> going on that's pretty hilarious. He is hilarious. He <laughs> is a great guy. He's the GOAT, I like to say, which yeah. you know, obviously stands for uh, greatest of all time, but he also just loves goats. So <laughs> He's got a Facebook group, and everyone's putting these memes <laughs> and pictures and stuff on there. Yeah, <laughs> the Sip Sip Squad. Yeah. Jake rules. But so – you guys asked Erica and I if we would open that show. And you asked us at the uh, Rowdy Cowboy Show podcast that we were on. Rowdy Cowboy Radio. Rowdy Cowboy Radio. Hashtag. First podcast I was ever on. And um, obviously we're like, yeah, we're, I mean, honored. That's what a great opportunity for sure. We would love to do that. That's so probably our biggest blast. show, too. It was just packed that night. I remember going to one of them. Had uh, to be that one. At O'Gara's. <laughs> or nope. That was the first one. Guess not. <laughs> and there was a lot of, really a lot of people That was there. packed, too. Well, and I think uh, Lynn and I both came there, and you were, and I understand, you were, you were busy, busy, busy. I was on my honeymoon. Oh. <laughs> That's I was, right. I was on a boat. Yeah. Oh. In the Caribbean. Oh, woo. And you really, you really were busy. Everybody was like, what do you mean you're not going to the first Jack Friday? I'm like. Honeymoon. Better things to do. Yeah, they're like, like yeah, send pictures. Talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool. 
But so that that show uh, to promote it, that you guys had us booked on the Homegrown Show with PT hosting at the time. So Erica and I went into the Bob Studios, and uh, I remember like I remember even being like, like we don't even really do any original. We covered a Garth song. It was like the new Garth tune at that point because he had just released um, "Baby Let's Lay Down and Dance." It was like the first Garth song in like <laughs> however long. Yeah. And so obviously the second I heard it, I was like, I need to learn that, and uh, so we did. So Erica and I were performing that at our gigs, and we perf- we played it on the Homegrown Show. Jake had just wrote. Bumblebee, like literally that day, uh, had had the paper in the studio with him and performed it. But so we we sat in on the homegrown show and had a great time in that hour with PT. And then uh, sort of like your kind of deal with Tomcat, where like out of nowhere you kind of get a message. PT hit me up on Facebook Messenger, and I think the message simply just said like, "Hey man, you ever think about hosting the homegrown show on Bob FM?" I was like, 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 what? Like, first of all, yes. <laughs> I think about it all the time. <laughs> Second, though, I'm like, did you? Is this? Did you send this to the right person? It's like I, I had a hard time believing that. Hello, is this was, thing on? Right. I'm like, I, I met you the one time, and it was like, you know, one hour of an evening. I was like, and was PT sure? planning a change or what? Yeah, he had. I think he had just taken the job or was gonna, knew that he was going to be moving over to the Wolf. Okay. So he was. Uh, leaving the station to go to another, but he still has a great relationship with Neil. It was buzzing at that point. Uh, yes, it was buzzing at that time. Right, right. Um, and he's still, like, him and Neil are still tight. Uh, Neil just, there was a, a golf fundraiser for the Living Foundation that Neil and I believe Jim Erickson also were golfing at, and they had Heidi from Hitchville with them on their deal. Do you but know so Heidi, Tom? <laughs> do you know Heidi? Are you familiar with Heidi? I saw she was, what, episode two, maybe? Yeah, or? yeah. Um, but so... <laughs> PT That's still nice. has a great relationship with the uh, with Bob FM, and w- he told me he was like, "Yeah, no, dude, I did. I meant I meant this for you." He's like, "I I think you'd be good at it. If you're interested, you should talk to Neil Freeman." So I did, and then the next time I saw PT was at the first Midwest CMA, now CMO, but at that CMA mix up right. at the Doghouse, and PT comes up to me and right away he's like, "Hey, man, did you ever reach out to Neil Freeman?" And uh, as part of our because I was in that mix-up deal. My band was... A couple of them, because you did the one at Doghouse, too. That was that was the only one that I've done, was the one at the oh. Doghouse. I, I went to the one at Route 47. Is that what it is, the yep. second one? I went there to support and to be there, but I wasn't in it. But I was the first one, my band, Serious Moonlight. At one point... Blues like, Brothers outfits, We right? had the suits and sunglasses, and we did a David Bowie tune, Let's Dance. And there's this line in there about him, about uh, listening to the radio or whatever. I had it planned out to where I was going to pull open my suit jacket to reveal the Bob FM logo. There's a great picture of that somewhere. I yeah, think. it was my Facebook profile for quite a while. It might even still be. I'm not sure. But uh, so PT comes walking around. He's like, hey, did you ever reach out to Neil Freeman? I was like, I did. And I work there now. And I had to show him. And it was uh, pretty cool. But so <laughs> he opened that door for me because you opened the door to the, uh, you know, Jack Friday and the Homegrown Show. But so it just all kind of worked out. And I started uh, – the first thing I did for Bob was actually for the Big Q, which is another station that they yep. own coming out of like Forest Lake and Princeton, and it's like an I did a couple weather rever- weather reports. Another on the great Q. station, just like it's like an weather. old, it's like what Cool 108 used to be. You know, yeah. it's like real oldies. Yep, great stuff. But uh, they were playing Princeton sports. Here we go. Yeah, there's there's the Bob logo. I remember when you did this. And I felt bad because there was a like because Neil was a one of the judges from yeah. Bob FM, so I was like reaching out to that judge, 
but so was the wolf or buzzin was it buzzin still then maybe buzzin, I think, yeah. so i like i won one of the judges for sure but <laughs> turned off one of the others probably but uh no yeah like it was just uh that was a fun night so uh, is mick anselmo got uh the wolf too i'm not sure the wolf is uh are they i heart or whatever they're you know Mick Anselmo. I don't. Was, he was the big shot at I know it. Phil Anselmo. Mick Anselmo. The CBS, right? Yeah. CBS affiliate? Okay. Yeah, he had a K-102 when they won the uh, CMA for best, well, best radio station in the major market, not monster market, whatever, however it works. And then Mick left K-102 and went to Buzzin. Okay. And he ran Buzzin. He started Buzzin, and then I'm wondering if he's still – Probably I don't know. Like I know, like they've the uh, they've downsized quite a bit. I think the only on-air people over there are PT and Thunder. Okay. Yeah. Greg. Yeah, they downsized a lot. Yeah, they got rid of like everybody. Greg Thunder. Yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> so. Okay, that's another episode. <laughs> well, you got a uh, not to get sappy, but you got an O-brand, and as long as I've known you and knowing some of the trials and challenges that you've faced, all the stuff with your family, all the stuff with you personally. I mean, I'm not going to like throw your dirt around and talk about your demons on the air but you got to know man if i haven't said it before i'm so incredibly proud of you man and all of you a lot all you've accomplished i mean you are one of the go-to guys in this market when it comes to music and country music especially and i'm just super proud of what what you're doing man likewise dude i mean that's how i think of you and the uh, the the challenges you've faced as well and now being a father and uh, just the way that you're able to hold it all down and still continue to, to be that visionary and somebody who works towards a goal relentlessly and won't let anything kind of get in their way. Like that's inspiring to me. So Thank it's, you, it's, Thank uh, you. It, it's the feelings mutual for sure. And two time cancer survivor. I know it's like, come on, like you're going to say like, I've been through some shit. No, like that's yeah. Thank you very much guys. I appreciate that. Don't make me cry on the air. Clank, clank. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't understate that. Uh, beat cancer twice man yeah so after that whole thing my family kind of adopted this like whole superman mantra for me and kyle too kyle's probably been the biggest supporter of that superman piece kyle you might have actually even started that now that i think about it i did and my family just kind of <laughs> jumped on board with it because they thought it, they thought it was super poignant but kyle started buying me superman memorabilia he had so a belt buckle at some point that that right there is the reason I remember the belt buckle, and then once you beat cancer twice, I'm like, this guy's Superman. <laughs> yeah, so, so he starts getting me this Superman memorabilia, and it just kind of caught on. So, like, my family's buying me stuff, and Kyle, I literally in my house right now, right outside our theater space, I have three shelves on the wall that are, like, one's two foot, one's four foot, one's six foot, and all of them are littered with all this stuff that Kyle's given me over the years because, you know, we're like brothers. We've been friends for 30-something years. God's not done with you. Well, you like uh, to clearly, think so. you know, yeah, trying has some big plans and that uh, every uh, every up, every down, every th trial that we face, it's all character building. It and, is uh, points to a deal like I mean, I wouldn't be where I am today if not for a lot of those, you know, kind of struggles and that kind of just harder time. So right. it's all part of the deal when you get to, you can look back on it all fondly. But a lot of times, like in the moment, like I'm sure you were just at the lowest you could be when you're given a cancer diagnosis and there's no kind of like hope to be found but there is i always know? tell people like if you ever get the chance to try chemo go ahead and pass on that <laughs> yeah, <go. laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Can't imagine. Can't, I can't recommend chemo. That's so, oh, well, I, I'm about to get an assault ticket from this microphone from my hands. I'm whacking it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so we, we do got to wrap it up here because we, you know, we've gone the distance and I you love know, Brandon, it. Brandon, you've been one of our best guests. So Thank you very much. We, we got to have him back. This is about number 20, I think. Yeah. Somewhere there in and, uh, but how m- it's so much fun. You brought back so much memories to me, and I didn't even realize uh, how well connected we are. And it's just kind of funny how we have these guests on, and all of a sudden things come full circle. And what a what a charming guest! And thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It means a lot. I'm yeah. gonna put you on the carpet for a second, man. You got to get TK and I to come in at some point. Sit in your homegrown show. Yes, oh, we absolutely. would love to talk boots and backstraps for your homegrown show. We can do that for sure. Boots be, and backstraps, so Rowdy much Cowboy fun. Show. As you said earlier, country music and hunting are synonymous. Mm-hmm. Like they just kind of go together, like PB and J. And it would be fun to sit in into your studio. And you know what else, Shane? I'd like to do. He'd be like, "We gotta go to br- break. Gotta go to music." <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> a different machine <laughs> for sure. That's, I love this format. This has been a blast. This is kind of what I wish my show could be like. You know, yes. but. Uh, we got we'll sneak in a little snifter of uh, <laughs> there you go, JD or something. Yeah. Um, we say this with a lot of our guests, but we have to make it happen. Uh, we can kill two birds with one stone if we go and see him and Erica at the same time. Before you leave, please uh, leave us a schedule, and maybe you can tell the folks. Yeah, where can they find you? We want to yeah. get to that. Sure. Uh, well, there's uh, the Homegrown Show has a Facebook page. Also, just mybobcountry.com under the Weekends tab. Those are all kind of archived, too, as podcasts, so you can check out past episodes. And uh, as far as gigs, Brandon and Erica Music on Facebook. I think we got something coming up in, in July. But uh, Erica, you know, again, like that's, and I love playing with her. She's got a lot of outlets now. Like So it, when it came from after she had her kid and had, like, kind of nothing going on, so she's like, we're doing an acoustic duo thing. Man, things have changed since then. Yeah. And she's got the crown jewels, the queen tribute going, the girls' night out thing. Yeah. She's playing in duos with, she's cheating on me with like Benjamin, Benjamin Ray yeah. and Karina <laughs> Kern and stuff, which I'm cool with the Karina Kern one. But, yeah, uh, how do you compete with that? <laughs> I'm cool with it all. Like, I, I love it. But so she gets out, she's playing uh, far more frequently and all the other stuff. But we still get out when we can. And I think we got one in, at Rockwoods coming up, like kind of in the middle of July. That'd be fun. But, uh, and so anything that, that posts, she's usually the best at, uh, at promoting that and putting it into the, the world. But, um, yeah, my Facebook, whatever, you can follow me there. And uh, the Homegrown Show, that's my, uh, that's my baby right now, so check that out. Obviously, check out Bob Outdoors as well if you like the hunting and fishing aspect. We got you covered. And, uh, yeah, we'd love to uh, get you guys on the show for sure. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, it would. Sunday night, starting at 5, Total Country Bob FM. All right, folks, thanks a lot for joining us for this week's episode of Boots and Backstraps. We uh, have enjoyed having our guest, uh, Brandon, in, and, of course, we will, brother, have you back again because I feel like we just scratched the surface of so much we could talk about. Um, and so make sure you check us out um, on all the audio and video platforms. You've got our YouTube and Spotify and all the Google Play and Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. We're everywhere, so you can get uh, either the video or the, uh, strictly the audio but you can also send us an email to bootsandbackstrapspodcast at gmail.com with your comments, questions, and snide remarks. And uh, uh, make sure that you leave us a comment, like, share, all that kind of thing on all the social media out there. We love it. TK. Snide remarks. I like snide that. Remarks, yeah. <laughs> well, folks, whether you're pursuing your favorite game animal or belting out your favorite country song, I encourage you to use that same passion to pursue the Lord. He will teach you to shoot straight. Thanks for viewing this week, and 
We'll look forward to seeing you next week. Come on now. On his own, looking for backstraps, way deep in the woods. Tracking in a swamp to a hayfield under the harvest moon. When the tags are filled, it's time to switch up our boots. Head down to the honky tonk, get us a swing dance or two. We're talking about boots and backstraps.